1: someone that's up there putting stuff up here? Right. Give him a hand. Right. Good, morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Sharon Lou. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have. I have three and a half minutes, and so I'm, I'm Lois Jones, and I'm today's platform assistant. I'll be sharing the announcements and the upcoming events with you. Welcome to our visitors and those of you who are out there online joining us. We're happy that you're with us today, and we hope you'll enjoy our service. If you're here in person for the very first time, please take a welcome packet from outside the sanctuary on the table there. Sunday school teachers and nursery aides are still needed. If you enjoy working with children, please see Sharon Clay's Children's Church Director for more information. Sharon will also be conducting a special training session for all volunteers next Sunday after service at 11.30 a.m. Parents are welcome to attend. Our capital campaign theme for May and June is Super Share 50-50 Raffle. Tickets can be obtained after service today and each Sunday through Sunday, June 25th. Proceeds from each Sunday will be accumulated and drawing will take place and the winner announced at the church picnic on Sunday, June 25th. Hey, we're going to have a big, big prize. (laughs) One of you will win. Today is Giving Sunday. This, this Sunday provides an opportunity to further express our financial commitment and appreciation to Unity of Farmington Hills. This is an opportunity to catch up on tides, give additionally to the Capital Campaign, or just give for the joy and love of giving. The U U G, UFH. Ukulele Group. Meets today for lessons and play from 11.15 to 1 p.m. in room 9. Bring your ukulele, I guess so, your voice, or both for some fun and learning. The women's and men's group are having a lunch and touring Detroit Historical Museum today at 12 noon. For details, flyers are available on the table outside the sanctuary. For any questions, see Faith or Eileen. On this Wednesday, May 24th, from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., join us here at the church for Crystal Bowl Meditation with Joanna Reynolds. This week's meditation will not be available on Zoom, so if you're signing in to Zoom and you can't get in, you better get over here. (laughs) The $10 uh, love offering is suggested. You're invited to walk with the UFH Veteran Peer Support Group in the Farmington Hills Memorial Day Parade on Monday... May 29th. Flyers are available on the table outside the sanctuary. If you're interested in walking, please RSVP to Charmaine Pearson so that she will know you're walking. There's Charmaine out there. Volunteers are needed who can definitely be available on Saturday, June 3rd from 11 to 1 p.m., 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. to help beautify and add some color to our landscape and yard by planting flowers diversify the landscape. No yard work is expected, just planting flowers. The flowers will be waiting. It's very important to know how many volunteers we can expect. If you can help, please let Faith Brower know ASAP that you will definitely be here. Call friends and family and invite them to join you and us for Friends and Family Sunday on June the 11th. Let them know they'll really enjoy the music, the message, and especially the love and joy that they will experience with us. On Sunday, June the 11th, join the women's group for a women's empowerment presentation at 11 a.m. in the social hall. Today, Katie Smith is our prayer chaplain. (laughs) And will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors. As always, please move out of the sanctuary immediately. You don't have to go home, but you need to get out of here to provide quiet space for prayer. To stay abreast of our activities and upcoming events, please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through the newsletter that's emailed every Friday. And now, as the music team sings, surely the presence, let us prepare our hearts and minds for our daily word and opening prayer. Thank you.
2: You are funny business to me. Where did she leave? I don't even see her. Oh, she's back there. You are funny business. Okay. Let's go ahead and prepare to hear the daily word for today. So if you'd like to gently close your eyes to do so, you may do so. The daily word for today, Sunday, May 21st, 2023, is protection. Today we affirm, I practice the presence of God. As I practice the presence of God, I feel secure. And our message reads, there is only one power and one presence in the universe and in my life. God, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, is not only all around me. God is within me. As I take this truth into my heart, I feel calm and secure. The circumstances of the world have no lasting power over me. God is greater and more enduring than anything I may be faced, be called to face. I have within me the power to feel God's protecting presence at any time. As I pray, I affirm the strength and power of God are mine to call upon. I can use these divine powers to move beyond that which may scare or imitate me, intimidate me. In renewed faith and deep security, I move bravely forward. The scripture for today comes from first John chapter four, verse four. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let us pray. So with our eyes gently closed, shutting out the outer world, let us take a deep centering breath. And as you exhale, let your body relax. Let your shoulders drop. As you relax in the presence of God in the center of your chest, tune into a feeling of love, oneness, peace and power, knowing that right now, in this moment, you are safe and protected. You are one with the power of God, the omnipotence of God. You are one with the presence of God, the omnipresence of God. And you are one with all-knowing, which is the omniscience of God. And God, as we settle into this awareness, this knowing, this state of being, We let our hearts and minds radiate with a sense of peace and oneness and joy. We open ourselves up to experience your presence today. To share our experience of your presence with others. And as a unified community, let our hearts, our minds, our voice, our words, our being in our actions and our prayers be a gift of a presence to the world. We release what we think we know for today. That we may open up to your message that dwells within each and every one of us already, but will be awakened when the message comes forth later in the service. For right now, we just sit in a space of peace and love and oneness. Breathing in a feeling of love. And releasing in our exhale a feeling of love. And every time we breathe in a deep feeling of love it allows us to release love out into the world more deeply to relax in that moment of love that is the eternal now just sit in the feeling of love right now Let your mind be at peace. Let your heart be at peace. Let your body radiate peace. Thank you, God, for your mighty gift of love that loves us no matter what. Keeps us in a sense of peace when we choose to do so and protects us. We lift this prayer with our hearts open through this meditation in the mighty name and nature of the indwelling Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. And we let it be. Amen. I just feel like floating on. (laughs) Let us go ahead and affirm our statement of being together. God is all, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all... Is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. Wait, say that two more times like you mean it. I am an individualized expression of God. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And let's go ahead and affirm our growth affirmation together, knowing that as we grow this church, we grow our consciousness as well. Together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate, spirit-filled world. Me all roused up and, and hot, <laughs> or it may be a hot flash, I don't know. <laughs> Woo, those things just come on. Men don't have to worry about that, but mm, wow, 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 wow. Ah, I know I tell to, to all my business, I didn't have to say it could have been a hot flash. <laughs> I had when I was younger, I used to say things. And, and it's, I'm still getting there where well, I wouldn't think first. It just come out my mouth. <laughs> and I'm still getting there. Oh, man. So I had heard about this police officer who pulled over this, um, l- this uh, elderly lady who was driving really slow on the freeway. And you guys might have heard this joke. Of, uh, laugh with me anyway, if you have. Um, <laughs> she was going 30, m- 30 to
0: 80. <laughs> We got a
2: comedian. I didn't know I had a comedian in the house who uses slides. Okay. so anyway, where was I? She was uh, riding on the freeway. She was going 39 in a 55-mile-per-hour freeway. And so the police officer pulled her over and she was like, what's, what's wrong, police officer? I know I wasn't going too fast, was I? He said, she said, I was going to the speed limit. He said, the speed limit is 55. Where would you see the speed limit? She said, I saw it right there when I just passed. It said I-39. He said, that's the freeway. So he looks over, he sees her passenger sitting there shaking and her face is really white. He looks in the back, and there's two other old ladies in the back. They're shaking and white. He said, why are they stark white and terrified? She said, I just got off of I-96. <laughs> 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 and I must say, a, my husband drives like that, too. <laughs> and I'll confess, I do, too, when he's not in the car. <laughs> I got pulled over when I was coming to the first adopt-a-pet here. I w- um, that in 2018, I was doing the adopt-a-pet here, I had just started speaking here, and a police officer pulled me over, I was going a little fast down Orchard Lake, and I said, I apologize, police officer, I didn't realize how far I was going, I'm going to a pet adoption, I'm the minister over at Unity of Farmington Hills, and he looked at me, and I said, it's right up the street, and I said, said, you're invited to join us, and I guess the story sounded so far-fetched, he believed it, so he let me go. It was a true story, too. So, Start wearing wearing my pin, yeah. Start wearing my pin. (laughs) Oh, man. So, isn't laughter wonderful? I love to laugh. I love to laugh. And we got a funny church, people in the church that are funny, and I got a funny husband. So, I'm always laughing, and I'm always happy. That's a good thing. It keeps you young when you're laughing. So, I want to continue what we started a couple weeks ago on this parable that was called um, Parable of the vineyard workers. And the title of my talk then was Working Your Inner Vineyard. And this is going to be part two of that. As we were studying it last, uh, two weeks ago, rather, we were going into the three different types of workers that this parable demonstrates as we studied it. And one of the things I want to connect to today even more deeply than I did last time, because last time was getting us into the three types of workers that uh, came into the vineyard. And as we remember reading this story, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like, this is in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. And I'm just going to read it briefly. Uh, I don't know that I'll read the whole thing. I'll read some, but I'll probably read the whole thing. So it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon again and at 3 He, at noon and again at three, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more workers standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the workers in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, to the, uh, where where am I? The owner, those who worked only one hour, and yet uh, those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. Jealousy. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual pay, the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay these last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Last verse. So those who are last now, will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Now, as I said uh, two weeks ago, in order to really get this parable, you got to know the story that led up to this parable. And one of the things that Jesus did often when, with the parables, when you read the parables, if you read before the parables, he's often, often using the parables to answer some type of question, some type of complaint, or some, something else that he might have shared before that to give a deeper understanding of what he's explaining or to answer people who've asked him a question. Does that make sense? So anytime you're reading a scripture or reading a parable or anything like that, make sure you try to read the part before because it has some significance and it is pertinent to what you're reading in that moment. So here, so as I say that, I'm going to go back to chapter 19. In chapter 19, a young rich man, which you've heard me say this story before, came to Jesus and asked, how can I get into the kingdom of heaven? What do I have to do to get into the kingdom of heaven? Now, first off, he had a misinterpretation of the kingdom of heaven because he thought it was something that he had to do or pay in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, well, you know, follow the... Uh, Ten Commandments, the laws of the prophets, and Moses, he, then he says, I'm doing that. So J- Jesus says, But there's one thing you still need to do. He said, Sell all of your possessions, give the money away to the poor, and then come and follow me. And it says that he walked away very, very sad. It says, But when, this is verse 22 in chapter 19, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad. For he had many possessions. He was attached to those possessions. And then Jesus goes on to say, he says in verse 23, he says, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. You know, he always emphasized himself when he was trying to really get something together uh, out there. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this was a, a, a figure of speech what he was saying to make it really to really emphasize the point that it is difficult for people who are attached to their possessions who are rich and attached to those possessions not a rich person per se but someone who is attached to their richness and have a status in what they have and it's hard for them to release that to step into the consciousness of what you need to do in order to be in the kingdom of heaven Do you guys understand that piece yeah. you get that okay so then then he goes into he's talking to his disciples And one of the disciples is astounded because he says, then who can be saved in the world? They're still connected to the fact that you got to do something and pay somehow to get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus responds to them by saying, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So he's helping them to shift their consciousness from the Pharisee consciousness that you got to act and follow and behave and, 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 and uh, be obedient to the laws and the principles and what the prophets and Moses said in order to truly be in the kingdom of heaven. That's just obeying to, work over, to live with people. That's what those laws were to help us to interact with each other in a way that's harmonious and have consequences when you don't. Do you get that? Jesus came to go, take us deeper. That's the outer world. Jesus came to take us into the inner world. The kingdom of heaven is not obeying the laws. The kingdom of heaven is what you experience when you start to connect and tune into the kingdom of God. And do we remember what the kingdom of God represents? It's spiritual consciousness. So it's the kingdom of God all around us, the spiritual realm all around us, which is transcendent. And it's the spiritual realm within you, which is imminent. And I promise you, God has a relationship with you. God had the relationship with you when you were conceived in the thought of God's mind before your parents were even brought together to create and conceive you in your mama's womb. God has an intimate relationship with you up close and personal and has given us a choice to have an intimate relationship with God up close and personal. And when we have that intimate relationship with God and we experience God in the inner world, that's when we step into the kingdom of heaven. Do You get that. So there's nothing that you can do in the human world to experience the kingdom of God. There's nothing you can pay. There's no money that you can give. There's nothing you can even do physically to be in the kingdom of heaven because you have to live in the realm of spirit and have a relationship in the realm of spirit within your own mind in order to be in the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Yes. So then they go on, Jesus, when he says, humanly speaking, impossible, he goes on and tells them, because Peter said, we have given up everything for you. See, they're still not getting it. We gave up everything for you. What are we going to get then? And Jesus goes on in, 19, in chapter 19, verse 28. He says, I assure you that when the world is made new, now this is important, because this part of when the world is made new is connected to the part of the parable of the vineyard. He says, when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or children or property for my sake, let go of the human realm and worldly thinking to come into the Christ within you. He says, we'll receive 100 times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Eternal life is already yours. It's the consciousness of the Christ in you. That Christ in you is eternal life because it cannot die. It is eternal. It is yours. And you can only inherit it Like take, and and it is yours already because God gave it to you, but it is our job to claim that inheritance. And the only way to claim that inheritance is to step into a divine relationship with God, to live from the inside out, not the outside in. Does that make sense? Then he goes on to say, this is the part that even brings it more to the connection of the parable of the wine vineyards. He says, but many who are the greatest now will be Least important then, and those who seem important now will be the greatest then. That sounds familiar from other parables we've said, right? Do you remember me talking about those who who have exalted themselves will humble themselves, and those who have humbled themselves will be exalted? This is similar to that. So, how do we connect this to the parable of the vineyard and the workers? How do we see that connection? Now, I shared with you guys in the last time we were, two, two weeks ago when we were discussing this parable, the three different types of workers that are demonstrated here. The first types of workers are the ones who are hired first in at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they, are, they agree upon the amount of the pay. They agree to work a day, a day and they get, agree to be paid a day. And then he has these other workers who he hires at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, And he says, you will be paid what is right at the end of the day. And then he goes back to the marketplace and he sees some other people there. He needs still more help in his vineyard. So he hires those people at five o'clock and they only work one hour. And he only tells them, Go and, and work with my vineyard workers. There's nothing specific he tells them. And we said the first group of workers are the workers who know who've already made an agreement and they're they're going ahead and they're going to work for what they agreed upon. And they expect to get what they agreed upon. Those are the workers. Those are those types of workers. And then there's the other, and there's no consciousness really in the spiritual at all or anything dealing with God. It's just they're, them doing the work, and they're going to get the pay. And their employer is going to be the one to pay them. And then you have the workers, which is a sec second group that was paid at, uh, hired at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, and were told you will get what is right at the end of the day. Those are people who trust God to compensate them in the right and perfect way for the way they give. Do you get that? And then you have the third workers who just, he didn't tell them anything. they didn't ask anything. He just said nobody gave us a chance to work. Those are the ones who work just for the sake of working and the purpose of working and are satisfied with whatever they receive. Do you see that? The three different types of workers but that's a physical con- consciousness, that's a material consciousness. Let's go deeper. When you look at what the vineyard represents, and, and this I love because Charles and Myrtle Fillmore always took, and they're the co-founders of Unity, they always took aspects of the Bible and they went deeper. And so in Charles, Charles created this book called, uh, two of them. One is The Revealing Word, and the other one is the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. And I use these tools when I'm studying. And I'm inviting you all, if you haven't already purchased them, purchase these because they help you get a deeper understanding. In a revealing word, you can look up different words and what they might mean in, in the Bible on a deeper deeper level. Charles believed and Myrtle Fillmore believed that metaphysics is a deeper understanding going beneath into the spiritual understanding of the Bible. That the Bible represents our genesis, which is our generation when we are born with all the potentials of the world, the potentials of God, and then we move into the degeneration when we start having this consciousness that we've adopted that we're limited in some way. But then we move back into regeneration, revisiting, remember that word re means to go back to the genesis of who you are, but you have to choose it and let go of what you were told from the world. That's what Charles Fillmore and Myrtle Fillmore believed. And so, as I read through and study, Charles Fillmore says that the kingdom of heaven, which really, let let me not go get ahead of myself too much. The vineyard represents your spiritual consciousness, it represents the spiritual realm inside of us. Do you get that? In the Bible, In Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28, God tells us to, let me find that scripture, go to the Bible and find it, and I know, okay, nothing funny, Um, (laughs) and I just wanted to do the first part of this, actually. I didn't want the whole part of it, so it says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. That's the part that I want to get from this. Because the being fruitful and multiply is how we do the fourth, the third unity principle and the fourth unity principle. The third unity principle is what? Thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. That's how you're fruitful. Everything you think, say, do, and pray, you're producing it. But he also said, in the Bible, it also says to um, fill the earth and govern it. When you govern it is when you're doing the fourth unity principle. The fourth unity principle is that, through prayer and meditation, denial and affirmation, we align our mind with God. So not only do we have the command to, um, fit, to be fruitful and multiply, we have the command to rein in on it and fill yourself up with that which is only one with God. Does that make sense to everybody? That's how you work your vineyard. That's how you work your vineyard. And the beautiful thing is, when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is our experience of it. Now we get to where Charles Fillmore talks about the kingdom of heaven. Charles Fillmore says that the kingdom of heaven is a state of consciousness in which the soul, and remember the soul is your thinking and your feeling, married together, is when the soul and the body are in harmony with divine mind. Divine mind is the mind of God. That's the kingdom of God. Is that making sense to everybody? Now, how do, we work, how do we connect those workers in the spiritual realm to the three workers that we just talked about from last, from two weeks ago? Jesus said in chapter 19 that you can only get in the kingdom of heaven if you let go of the physical and step into the spirit, that only through God you can do this. But the beautiful thing about God is God accepts us all, no matter what. And in our consciousness, when we're working the vineyard, when we're working our consciousness, we accept every aspect, every thought, every belief about ourselves. Those are limited. that are limited, that we've atta- attached and adopted from the human experience and those that are spiritually one with us already. Do you get that? So the first worker that's connected to the worker that agreed to the pay and did his work for the pay and then complained when he was looking jealously at the other people who didn't work as long as him are those human thoughts that we have in our mind that limit us. And this is the beautiful thing because those three workers represent the phase in consciousness through spiritual maturity, which is where the first becomes the last and the last becomes the first. In what did Jesus say? Wait, let me go back to verse 20. When he said, when the Son son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, what does that mean? And how is that connected to working your inner vineyard? The Son of Man represents you when you're demonstrating the Christ. The Son of God is the Christ in you. And that Christ exists in the consciousness in your mind. The only way to tune into the consciousness of the Son of God, which is the God in you, is to go in. You know, when you're starting to work on things in yourself, you're trying to be more loving, you're trying to be more patient, you're trying to be more generous, you're trying to be more of a giver, you're trying to be um, more prosperous. Those things that you want to do, and you, and you start working on it, that's working your vineyard. And what you're doing is you're shifting from the human thoughts, which are the first workers that were hired with an idea of what they were going to work for, literal, way of thinking, literal way of reading the Bible, you shift into the next workers. The next workers represent, and that part represents when you are being the Jesus, the personality. Do you get that? Remember I said there's four things, that, there's four ways Jesus is, is described in the Bible. The human, when they say Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, it's a man, it's the man of you. It's the body, it's the personality. And then there's the Christ, which is the son of God in you. It's the divine idea of God in you. And you are one with everything of God. That's the Son of God in you. The second one, I mean, the third part that Jesus, they say about Jesus, is Jesus Christ. That's when Jesus becomes aware of the Christ in him and begins to develop a relationship. There's something greater going on in this world, but it's even more powerful because that something greater that's going on in the world is in me. That's when you're Jesus Christ, or Sue Christ, or Donna Christ, or Michael Christ, or Faith Christ. That's when you tune in. That's the second worker that was hired at 9, 12, and 3 o'clock. Do you get that connection? Mm -hmm. And that's a phase in consciousness when we move from degeneration into regeneration. We're starting that process. Do you get that? Mm -hmm. You start to work on yourself. You start to work on those thoughts. You start to tell those thoughts. And you start to trust God to be that presence of the law, but you're still connected to looking at the law outside of you. And the third worker, which represents us, it's when you have shifted your consciousness, and you are totally doing the fifth unity principle. The fifth unity principle says what? It's not enough to know what? The truth. We must what? Live the truth that we know. When we're living the truth that we know, look at my baby. <laughs> High five, Howard. When you're living the truth that you know, there's two levels of that. You're doing it physically, again, to be obedient. Or you're being the truth that you know. When you be the truth that you know, you be the gift of God's law in the world. You don't just live the law, you be the law. And what happens is that which was the human that was great as before becomes the less than in your life now. Because you've shifted and you've become glorified because the Christ in you now is demonstrated through your relationship with God. Do you get that? Now when you give of yourself, you give for the joy of giving. When you give in any way, through prayer, through finances, through, your, uh, through just being in a presence, sometimes you could just be the presence. God told me years ago that he did not give me the spirit of sight where I can see and know things are going to happen ahead of time to stop it. I have the gift so that I can be the presence in the midst of it. When you can demonstrate the presence in the midst of it, now the presence of God has become greater and your human has become less. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. The human possessions be, uh, become, which were greater than your human awareness which was greater then, becomes second and you become first. And then you move into the consciousness that says, so those who are last now will be first then. In your consciousness where you are right now, Wherever it is that you are trying to let go of, you are moving into the spiritual expression of it. The spiritual expression is still last because it hasn't re- realized itself in you yet. The process that you go through to work that, to get that, to release, to deny the power of what that has over you and to step into the power of the spirit of you, that is you working your vineyard because you're using the power to, in your consciousness, in your words, in your voice, to deny what those uh, inaccurate, false, error-based thoughts and feelings and beliefs are. Do you get that? And then you begin to step in the truth of who you are. You're working the vineyard. You're shifting from only being those who are hired on just for the money to those who are being hired on to receive what what is right to being hired on to be just the presence of God. And you don't have to be hired on. You go and volunteer and you be the presence You move from looking at the things in your mind that are limited into starting to process those things in your mind that are limited. You go through chemicalization because those parts in your mind that you're used to will pit up against the parts that are new, that are, I mean, that are you. And then when you step into literally being it, you've glorified, you become glorified on the throne. Now, the human part of you is last, and the spirit of you is first in your expression. Does that make sense? I have told you guys that I've been struggling with my daughter. And it's me that's having the struggle. When she was four months old, she didn't want to be held or anything anymore. And I had, I, when I was holding her, I was so excited, I get to hold my baby. I get to, I mean, everything was wrapped up into being a nurturing and hugging mother. But at four months old, she did not want that anymore. And it broke my heart. And now she's 30 and she wants it. I've gone 30 years with her not wanting it really, and now she wants it. So now I have to shift from the consciousness of not my baby, not wanting my attention, not being the mother that I wanted to be, and being okay with it and resentful too at the same time. Into shifting into being a glorious expression no matter what. See, I don't have to have her expect me to be her mother to be her mother, or want my hugging to be her mother, to be her mother where she wants me to hug her or not. That's deep for me. I went to breakfast with her two week, last week for Mother's Day. And my baby said, Mama, I door dashed for a whole day so I could have enough money to pay for your lunch because I couldn't get you anything big. And she said, but I really want, what I really want is just to spend time with you. What are you doing today? Because can I just spend time with you? And I spend time with her but I wasn't at the place to hug her yet. When she was about to leave, I took that chance and I hugged my baby. 30 years old, but I got to feel what I wanted to feel when she was four months old again. I promise you, when you work your inner vineyard, it is so beautiful to cross that road into the Son of Man being glorified. I had let her leave my presence over and over and over again without hugging her, and I hugged her. And I'll be 55 years old, but I don't care that it took that long, I didn't. And you can too. Whatever you're holding to that you need to transition out of, let the worker who expects move into the worker who trusts, and then ultimately become the worker who just bees just for the sake of being. Work your inner vineyard and be the presence of God just for the sake of being the presence of God, not because you're going to get something in return. Be a giver and a gift of a giver just for the sake of giving. Does that make sense? I got to let it
0: go because I got to cry. So I love you guys. Thank you.
2: Share during my talk, but I started to become a crybaby. Charles and Myrtle Fillmore did this dedication and covenant when they um, stepped into having a. It was called the Society of Silent Unity at the time, and then that part became the praying part of Unity Ministry, and the ministry became Unity. And so when they when they moved into the spirit of living just for the sake of spirit, they wrote this covenant. We, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, husband and wife, hereby declare ourselves, our time, our money, all we have and all we expect to have, to the spirit of truth, and through it, the society of silent unity. It is being understood and agreed that the said spirit of truth shall render upon us an equivalent of this dedication in peace of mind, health of body, wisdom, understanding, love, life, and an abundant supply of all things necessary to meet every want without ever, our making any of those things the object of our existence. That was a deep declaration, and they did not charge for anything. The only thing they charged was postage because it was, governed, it was required by the government. That's all they required. That's all they charged. And they signed it in this presence of the consciousness of Christ Jesus, this third day of December, A.D. 1896. Now, one, the librarian at Unity at the time in 1942 found this. Charlotte Myrtle Fillmore had had it hidden in her desk, found this, and made it present. I have a declaration. And they signed it with each other as a witness. I'm going to sign my declaration with you all as my witness. I, Kelly Catrice Kincaid, hereby declare myself, my time, my money, and all that I have, and all that I expect to have, to God and to demonstrate the spirit of truth, and through it, to unity of Farmington heels and in other ways as directed by God. It is being understood and agreed that God, through the Spirit of truth, shall render unto me an equivalent of this dedication in peace of mind, health of body, wisdom, understanding, love, life, and an abundant supply of all things necessary to meet every want without it, me making that the thing. I'll read it as it, as it said without my making any of these things the object of my existence. Now, I must confess to you, I told you a while ago that I had shifted from tithing $50 every two weeks, because that was what felt good to me, to tithing my absolute, what I got, and that's before taxes. I pay my own taxes, and I do tithe, Howard will tell you because he deducts it. I do tithe of what I get and everything I get. To, to Unity of Farmers and Hills and in other ways that I am guided to be to, 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 uh, tied. So what I ask of you all or share of you all and the principles that I share with you all, I promise you I do it as well. And let me tell you one other thing. Everything is always met. Everything. So I make this declaration in front of you all. And I ask that when you're ready, make your own declaration and have someone witness it and sign it yourselves. So in this present, in the presence of the consciousness of God of Christ, Jesus Christ, this 21st day of May 23rd, I sign this declaration. And I thank God for bringing it to me. So with that in mind, let us gently close our eyes as we go into our love offering blessing. I needed to do that first. Take a deep breath and breathe in what you feel led to give for your love offering for today, for Giving Sunday. This is Giving Sunday. In whatever way you feel led to give, to catch up on your tithes, to catch up on your pledges, to catch up on anything or just to give for the sake of giving or to give for the capital campaign in addition to what you've already given for your tithing. Bring that to mind and breathe into it deeply. Thanking God, let's just say before we even pray, thank thank you God for what I'm led to give. And breathe it in deeply. And let's go ahead and affirm this love-offering blessing. Now, we're saying the divine love because God is the one that we are thanking because God is the one that is what we are giving as well. So let's go ahead and affirm our love-offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's stand up to our prayer for protection and then we'll say our peace song, and then we'll be out of here so that Katie can pray, be our first, the first time doing prayer. I need to bring you your soul. All right. Ah. Breathe this in deeply as we pray this prayer. We're praying this prayer for everyone here, for ourselves and everyone in the universe. Your words are powerful, your thoughts are powerful. So take a deep breath, aligning our thoughts with our words, with our heart. Ah. And let's go ahead and affirm this prayer for protection together. The light of God surrounds us, the love of God enfolds us, the power of God protects us, the presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well.